59 million people in the world are injured, seriously injured or disabled by collisions on the road. Driving is dangerous. And today we're going to talk all about driver safety with our guest. Let's get into the podcast. The problem in safety isn't deviation, it's complexity. Health and safety has gone mad. Health and safety is trying to unpick having gone mad in the past. There's no one solution or one problem. The problem is that we are looking for one solution. Does the structure of the team allow them to flourish? Feel safe enough to be uncomfortable. The environment defines our behaviors. People aren't the problem, they're the solution. Rebranding safety, crushing the stereotype. Brought to you by Risk Fluent. What's up guys, welcome back to Rebranded Safety. Rebranded Safety does exactly what it says on the tin. We're here to challenge those over-the-top practices and change the perception of health and safety. And we do that by providing long-form conversations on this podcast and how-to videos, tips and tricks, keynotes, blogs, etc. over on the YouTube channel. So if you're new here, hit the subscribe button and the bell so you never miss another episode. It goes bing when I bring it up. Or if you're on Spotify, hit the follow button, turn your notifications on so it goes bing. Just like that. See that? I timed that well. That didn't really. I forgot to put my phone on silent. My apologies. Anyway, today's guest name is Alex Hawes and he works for a company called Bright Mile. And they are quite an innovative app, essentially, helping companies and drivers be better better drivers using gamification, getting rid of all that kind of spy technology stuff where we all think they're doing it just to watch us. It's quite a lovely bloke as well. I had quite a lot of conversations with this bloke just around, you know, I think you know, we did like this little intro chat with people sometimes just to make people feel comfortable. And this one went on for like ages, just a really nice bloke. So we're gonna chat all about driver safety. He's gonna blow our minds with some statistics like Driver safety is second only to deep sea fishing when it comes to dangerous driving. That's if you drive over 25,000 miles or something like that. I'll let him do the statistics and um, tell you all about his app. And we have a good old chat about driver safety and what we need to be better drivers. And as a cyclist, you know, it would be really nice if we could all just get a little bit better at it. Anyway, let's go. But yeah, it's. Yeah. Um, I think you're right, mate. I think as as a safety professional, well, any, not even just safety professional, as any kind of leader or in a business, you know, this is just a true challenge. And if you're that kind of person that loves a challenge, like this is, you know, you got to take positives from things like this because if if you don't, you would just <laughs> you'd just be miserable, wouldn't you? So for, for me, I thrive off of stuff. I had a couple of couple of like connections on LinkedIn and said like can talk to them and say, oh, how are you doing? And and they say like, oh, you know, I just it's all a bit much and I'm a bit busy and you know, I'm like you say, I'm in eighteen hour war rooms and stuff like this and they're complaining about it. And I'm like, God, don't complain, but you're part of something amazing. Imagine being able to talk about this when you're older to your grandkids. Exactly. Like, you know, what were you doing during coronavirus? Sitting at home, you know, and, and I mean, no disrespect to anyone that is sitting at home. We don't, you know, a lot of this stuff's taken out of our control. You know, yeah. sitting at home playing on the PlayStation, which a lot of us would do, and it's a good thing to do. But some people will thrive off of being working for those essential services. You know, I was listening to a podcast this morning about care homes and and I just think, like, as much as it would be a horrible time to be in working in care, 
it would also be if you're that way inclined an amazing time to be working in care because you know if you're a safety professional you've got to think how can i get people my my staff to deliver care do what they need to do without the, the protection and the mitigations that they need to have to do what they need to do but yet they're still going to do what they need to do it's like this huge awesome. dilemma of course how do i keep my staff healthy how do i keep the virus out how do i keep these very 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 vulnerable people who are at a you know critical stages in their lives that have all sorts of underlying conditions as well how do we uh, how do we keep them safe and uh, and the other the other big big challenges obviously in care is the fact that um, you're you're seeing these uh, amazing care homes uh, around the country that have got brilliant rehabilitation facilities, lots of things to uh, st stimulate the, the the people that live in these homes as well, but they none of those things are being used people are isolated in their rooms and in a uh, in a and unfortunately it's the right thing to be doing under these circumstances but that's that's part of the deterioration for these mm. uh, for these people in the care homes because they're not um because they because they're just being kept in their rooms mm. as well and they're not kind of whether that's a stimulation of talking to other people whether that's doing your a routine that you've got used to all of those things have been taken away as a result of wanting to obviously protect these people as well so if you've got you know i i don't know whether it's uh, dementia or any other kind of underlying there's there's certain things that are absolutely essential in terms of helping you and supporting you and imagine um a the the nurse that you the love or the care home personnel that you love who's turning up with their face covered turning up with a face mask on and uh, that kind of for some of them that crucial uh, human connection being removed as well or your loved ones that you expect to see once a week or so standing behind a pane of glass at best at best as well yeah yeah you're, you're absolutely right it's uh, um yeah but i can understand yeah i can understand we haha <laughs> I have uh, I have friends who always talk about you should never get emotionally invested in your business, but you don't become uh, a nurse, a doctor. You don't become a care home personnel if you're not that way inclined. Mm. So when we see people who are absolutely spent talking about um, losing loved ones, losing people they genuinely care for, um, and uh, I, I, I can only... I can only start, you know, imagine just how horrible that must be. Um, yeah. No, it's actually, I can only, I can only hope that, you know, it reflects later on outside of, of coronavirus. And we, we all start to realize that these people that, you know, and I, and I hold my hands up as a, as a kind of younger man, I was one of those people that kind of looked down on jobs like care and bin collecting and, and uh, you know electricians and and now as you you grow older you start to appreciate that stuff but even though you appreciate you probably don't fully appreciate it until you have something like this where you just think wow these people that consistently get paid the least in society are currently the people keeping us going and it's just like wow yeah what are the uh, what are the genuinely essential jobs mm -hmm. <laughs> in a, in a time like this what are the jobs the uh the delivery guy that's uh bringing your uh supermarket shopping to your door 
the as you said um the council bin collection guys who are ensuring you know as the weather gets warmer that your your rubbish gets picked up all of this stuff that's just uh and the amazing way that humans adapt as well it's the uh it's the uber driver who's pivoted to doing your essential deliveries for you now as well it's the uh you know it's a delivery driver who's bringing your essentials today as well it's those kind of yeah and we're, we're, we're grateful for those people and will things change will it mean that these people like as you said you know care home personnel those people that are traditionally in some of the uh the worst paced jobs as well but they're, they're jobs that um we are seeing today just how essential those jobs are and it'll be it'll be really interesting post-covid when the dust settles in terms of uh what will this mean to society how will we see these things and even i had a friend who was a a, a supermarket lifer and seven months ago he said look retail's dead got to get out of retail god you know need to need to move on to something else well um you don't feel that way right now mm. do you look mm. at um, i've got friends working at a place like sainsbury's and waitrose and and the work that they're putting in you know traditionally a, a head of marketing person who is now um in a war room just going you know how do we get more drivers how do we get more people uh how do we keep our supply chain going wow what really matters, eh? Yeah, exactly. Opens our eyes, doesn't it? And how, it really how does. You, how are you, Adam, and your your family? Everyone's okay. Um, yeah, you know what? I uh, under these circumstances, as well as you can be, uh, I, I find it just um, we become we become self-consumed. You know, going a bit stir crazy after four weeks. Um, really, really, really not that bad. I've got, <laughs> you know, um, I was talking to one of my customers who lives alone. And he was going, I think I'm doing well, but there's no one to tell me if I'm going slightly crazy <laughs> in my own company as well. Well, I've got I've got three young kids and my wife. Uh, and the new normal's funny, isn't it? It was, uh, I, I, I was having a call with uh, uh, GE Aviation um, uh, and uh, it was our first ever kind of introduction to Bright Mile and driver safety. And uh, my kids now love coming in uh bombing each one of my calls and all they do is they stand behind me and stick their tongue out but the thing is people love it people mm. are, it's just now become a part of the thing i just i just had this uh, conversation with this guy and this uh, cute little, little six-year-old and four-year-old came along till they lost interest for two minutes so yeah it's um as good as it can be how and um uh, and you're well your wife's well yes, everyone yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're a good thank you. Like you say, you do become a bit self uh, self involved, don't you? And you you think that your mm. your situation's worse than everyone else, and you know. So I would probably say last week, uh, last week I, I probably was like proper like bummed out about it. And my, my wife went to the twenty week scan, and I wasn't allowed to go. And I was like, oh, proper bummed out. And you know, you can kind of sit back now and look at it and think, you know, it's not that bad, is it? Like. I, it's, it is a bit annoying that I don't get to go to a scan of my first baby, but you know, yeah. whatever. My baby is okay. The wife's okay. The dog's Amazing. okay. You know, growing well. So, 
amazing and the weather's nice outside and you yeah. can get on your bike when you need to that's it um saturday i had to shake saturday we were supposed to be flying to mallorca for um a week away for the easter holidays so saturday there was a moment i was like, oh we could have been on a beach now it's like what first world problems that i'm discussing right now <laughs> uh, it's just you want to give yourself a slap and go kind of pull yourself together man you know it's just kind of uh it really is that the is that the is that your biggest problem at this particular moment in time but yeah I, i've been finding myself having a word with myself as well to say look you know kind of have some perspective because you know the daily covid briefings and especially when it's not um impacting you on a direct basis um whether it's you know long may it stay this way it's not my um my, my close family my relatives everyone's well so in terms of having a a, a close second-hand experience of someone who's really suffering as a result of covid um at the moment it's you know it's numbers isn't it incredibly scary numbers it's overwhelming numbers whether that's the uk numbers that we see the global numbers that we see um being told and and it's kind of similar to it's the biggest problem with news we become de desensitized to it um over a period of time as well and it's just just remembering the unbelievable sacrifices that are people making and really me being at my comfortable home <laughs> um, with my lovely family with all my you know all my creature comforts and being able to still go out for a daily walk honestly really this isn't bad no. it's uh i've got i've got nothing to complain about mm. me too so let, let's let's actually introduce you adam Mm. welcome to the podcast um, well thank you very much for having me <laughs> why don't you give us a quick introduction to yourself and, and bright mile as well and then we're going to get into driver safety yeah um really looking forward to talking about this and uh following our obviously our previous discussion as well i'll, I'll kind of um uh, very very quick summary of me i'm at uh after after working in a variety of different sectors after graduating from university, I, I, um, I've uh, been a serial entrepreneur or let's say uh, I caught the startup bug and I've been involved in a variety of different businesses where um, some of them are kind of, you know, have, I'd like to call them my expensive MBAs have not succeeded. Some of them have been turned into genuine businesses, employing lots of people. And, uh, and this, um, what Bright Mile is the most, my, the most recent project that I've had the pleasure of getting involved in with, with an amazing team as well. And uh, you only have these kind of weird oxymorons in um, startups. I, I blame Silicon Valley for it. I'm what you call in Bright Marler, a late co-founder. I mean, that can't be a great uh, oxymoron. So, or what my co-founders would endearingly call me a startup goal hanger. Um, <laughs> so they've, uh, they've had two and a bit years of building a brilliant product. And then they've kind of said, right, we need to now build the commercial function. Adam, can you come along and kind of obviously help us uh, commercialize this? Sort of I saw, I saw the amazing product. They were, of course, yeah, absolutely, would be my pleasure. So yeah, having um, and now, now very much in for um, having originally worked in an advisory capacity, and uh, since the end of 2019, beginning of 2020, been f um, full time in Brightmall and working in driver safety and kind of mobility as well. And uh, in terms of what Brightmall is, um, 
I'll give you the kind of the the um, the I, I quite like doing it this way, which is giving you the bombastic statement of what Bright Mile is, and then telling you what I tell my mum, which is uh, and so it kind of the 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 marketing spiel is, uh, and we we believe we built the simplest and the fastest way to improve driver safety and reduce business risk in businesses. Um, and the kind of the big things are um, no hardware, really easy setup, no upfront costs. Um, what our technology does is it genuinely engages drivers, empowers companies to improve safety and reduce fleet costs as well. Um, and we believe we built the kind of the first app that um, genuinely eng engages company drivers to drive safely and take better care of their vehicles and a web portal giving managers actionable insights on how to reduce collisions and manage the duty of care for driver towards their drivers as well. Now you might say, okay, that sounds great. Can you dumb this down for me? Yeah. What do you tell your mum? That's what we want. What about. do I tell my mum? Exactly. And that is where I talk about is like, mum, you've got a Fitbit around your wrist. Um, imagine having a Fitbit for your driving and, but without there being any kind of hardware required. So as long as you've got your phone with you, we, um, so, uh, so you can assess how well you're driving. So drivers can observe their performance, take action and make themselves safer drivers in terms of, oh, it looks like I'm speeding too much. Looks like I'm driving too long without taking breaks. And, but also the, the real kind of, uh, I, I'd say the most important parts of the, the things that we borrowed from the app generation are kind of the, the positive, the gamification, the rewards, and a really rewarding good driving as well, which has been so really taking a carrot approach to uh, driver behavior change as well. And if they, they, they don't take the necessary actions, uh, we also have a portal where a manager could step in to help them reduce their risk with information we give them as well and insights we give them as well. So that's, that's how I explain it to my mom. Goes, oh, that's pretty nice. Can mm. I use it then? I was like, yeah, why not, mum? You're more than welcome to. <laughs> So would would you say like like some some of these so you you've got like obviously that kind of startup bug so you've got a passion for startups obviously which I think is something that is quite it seems to be natural in those kind of people that like doing that so it's, it seems to be like you say a bug it's probably the best way to describe actually a bug um, but but like for as for kind of a passion for driver safety do you think obviously would you admit maybe that you took it you didn't really think about it until you started at Brightmail or was that always there or did it grow when you started at Brightmail and you're thinking, Oh crap, I'm, I'm actually a really bad driver. And I, and yeah. Like where did the, where did the passion come from? Really, really interesting. You talk about this, which is uh, and we'll, um and uh, obviously I, I've, I've, once again, I've got my, uh, well, my personal bias. I, 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 I believe I'm a, I'm a very safe driver and I have obviously three very demanding passengers in the back of my car. You know, the, mo the moment you have a six year old, a four year old and a one year old, you really do start thinking about, you know, I have my duty of care. Um, so uh, I, I'm not, so, so driving is something I have to do. We regularly have that conversation living in London and working in London. My wife and I regularly have that conversation going, do we need a car mm. with a young family? We certainly do. Um, I don't have to do uh, so I in terms of uh, I r only a couple of times a month will have to maybe do some driving for work 
going out to visit a customer in, I don't know, Hem or Hempstead, where it makes a great deal more sense than obviously taking public transport for whatever reason mm-hmm. with where I live. But yeah, I, um, but it's, uh, it's, it's interesting. It's kind of like mobility and driving has been kind of in, in our fam- in my family for a while. Did, did I did I think about driver safety and did I think I would be working on it? Well, till my um, till my co-founders start really talking about the subject and actually they're the uh, several of my co-founders who've been working in uh, I'd say mobility telematics driver training for well over a decade. They're the people who kind of obviously. Um, have been educating me in terms of like what is the challenge that's being faced uh, by businesses and i think they've they've played a big part in me understanding and um and also understanding the challenge that we have and uh, and getting me really passionate about this and obviously bringing me on board and going yes this is a um i believe in uh, with every business i've worked in I, I talk about you know we need to be a purpose-driven business um purpose for actually having a clear mission, having clear values with a business is the only way that we can really transcend the, uh, the ego of, I just want to build a big business. Mm-hmm. So I think, I think that's been incredibly important. And um, for me to become involved in any business, I genuinely have to believe in the cause that we're all getting behind, something that we can align the whole team around. And when, you know, if, when we're interviewing someone to join our business, we're going, no, this is, this, this is the mission that we're on. Now, it's not quite Elon Musk. We're going to, you know, uh, come and join SpaceX. We're going to become interplanetary species. And our <laughs> mission statement is, uh, you know, uh, s- saving the planet. But but, you know, I still think in our uh, making, uh, initially making work-related driving safer and cheaper is a is a, when you see the kind of the, the stats is is incredible. There's a huge, huge opportunity of here in terms of kind of saving saving lives as well. Mm. A statistic you, you mentioned stats there, and that's quite a good point because that's something I was shocked to see when I saw some of the statistics that they're, they're like, would, would you kind of do this if I maybe pick out one of those couple of the ones you think would be the most impactful? Yeah. I remember yeah. when I saw some of them, I was like, damn. I, that's it. I, I think there's a, there's a bit, a few big statements. I'd, um, I, I, the one other thing I wanted to do for you was kind of talk about the things that really kind of get us out of bed and really motivate us as well. And I'll come to the stats as well. And this is kind of the stats will back up a few of these as well, which is um, obviously we talk about this statement when, when you see the stats, work-related driving is still one of the biggest unmanaged risks faced by companies today. Mm-hmm. And uh, as I said, uh, based on um, riding on the, on, on the shoulders of my much more experienced experienced co-founders there was a real sense that um the existing solutions have been insufficient in genuinely changing driver behavior uh to improve driver safety um and the things that we've been extremely passionate about from day one has been to make safety and risk about driver rather than the fleet or the vehicle so most organizations talk about fleet risk programs or fleet safety and i think there's a big big challenge in terms of making this about the person as opposed to about the vehicle as well so trying to change the language being used as well and that's a uh, that's going to be a big challenge and and um ensure we provide a solution that provides value to the driver 
and rewards good driving so the kind of the, the carrot rather than the stick approach has always been one of the things that we spoke about like how do we um take some of the best things that we love so much about like the consumer products that we have and why can't we bring some of that into a uh, a business application and provide a uh, something that genuinely provides value as as opposed to scares the bejesus out of a an employee and thinks i'm being monitored at the moment so i should be be on my best behavior as well uh ensure we de de develop a solution that can be used by everyone who has to drive for work and to work and we kind of like uh companies have been traditionally quite myopic in terms of here's the cars the, the vehicles that we own or here's the the vehicles that we lease versus all of those people that might be driving their own personal cars or you know what we refer to as gray fleet and the other thing i'd say that's really been important as well is in this kind of in the post gdpr era is kind of coming up with a solution that genuinely respects the privacy and making privacy a key design feature which also means sometimes giving drivers a great deal more control than what businesses are used to and staying strong to our founding principles and uh, for example never reporting on driver location and which also means at times having to say no to businesses and saying no 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 that's not we're not the solution for you if you're looking for a track and chase, chase solution mm. and why why like that why have these things been so important I'm, i i rely on for people like uh british safety council rspa some amazing organization break and people like world health organization have done some phenomenal work around this as well in terms of obviously kind of benchmarking it and as a uh in the uk we have some of the safest roads in the world um but uh but so there's some of the stats in the uk still staggering in terms of and i'll but first i just want to kind of go let's go let's go big let's go world and and uh driving is uh, according to the british safety council is still one of the most dangerous work activities that most people do is potentially the most dangerous work activity that most people do um some world health organization stats um uh, recently uh pointed out the work-related driving still staggers uh accounts for a staggering 450,000 fatalities and I think 20 million injuries on the world's roads each year which is once again those kind of numbers that are just so big that you just mm -hmm. kind of well you must go well that must be mostly developing world and the, you know we've got safe roads here in the UK and Europe and then you go well there was actually a another WHO piece which was um, uh, the world report on road traffic injury prevention which looked at the US Australia and the EU and according to them work-related motor vehicle accidents are estimated to contribute at least one quarter to over one third of all work-related deaths all work-related deaths as well and suddenly when i talk about you know going back to that statement of like the biggest unmanaged risk it's yeah it's we've got a big job to do here mm -hmm. in terms of still making um our employees safer and to make uh driving safer and to help drivers become safer drivers as well so much to this but but there is so i think as a as a kind of safety professional that's managed kind of mobile workers as we mm -hmm. might call them people that drive regularly for work it it just seems uh, in my opinion sometimes you feel like as in the business that it's just too big of a 
thing to deal with and the only kind of obvious stuff previously to me kind of stumbling across something like this was well we can go with a black box kind of solution or we don't really like the black box so what else can we do all right we'll get them to do some advanced driver training mm, and then yeah. after that we'll put a uh, a daily check in their car now let's be honest i'm a safety professional and i don't daily check my car i don't weekly check my car i don't monthly check my car i yeah. do an mot and a service the same as everybody else and i might every now and then go yeah. oh, my tires look a bit bare or whatever and then have a look and and you maybe have a look when you when you blow your tires up or something like that and let's be honest most new cars probably do a lot yeah. of that stuff for us don't they um i just yeah, I think I don't know what your your kind of opinion on that, but sometimes this just looks too big of a beast for a business to handle when they're trying to handle so much more other stuff. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Um, and it's a it's a case of like, yeah, it, it uh, the analogy I sometimes use if you're depending on if you are at that place where you go, we do some driver license checks when someone joins our organisation, we get someone on a defensive driver training course, we provide them with our policy document, and we also say you should be checking your vehicle regularly. And uh, mm -hmm. and every so often there might be some additional driver training as well, and we look at you know at fault collision or let's uh, some insurance data yeah. and, and, and and you're right that is I'd say um, and a lot of organizations that anything beyond that kind of can sometimes feel a bit too big and the uh, the other dirty secret of our unfortunately of our industry is the fact that yes yes I might go out there and install some telematics and dash cams and that kind of stuff which will help reduce maybe my insurance premiums as well so win-win in terms of uh, and uh, um, and I might even get a bursary to do some of that stuff as well but do I then use that data to make decisions I think there's something like 80 to 90 percent of driving related data that never gets we just it's, it's in the non-urgent important column of stuff for um for for us going yeah we, we need to do something with this but when have I got time in comparison to all the other burning fires which I'm having to deal with um and when you look at the whole thing you go right yeah there's a to, to, to kind of have a fully fledged driver safety program with every other element as well beyond what we're doing um, seems like quite a big task in terms of everything else I do. But I, I, I personally don't think it has to be. And I think I, I use the kind of like climbing Everest kind of analogy, which is like, you've got to think about those base camps. Like you, this is what you're doing. So this is the benchmark of what you're doing. What's the next iteration? What's the next improvement? What's the next addition that could um, move the needle in terms of making your drivers safer? And what's going to, of all the different options that you have, uh, what's going to have in your, based on the, the profile of your drivers, um, the kind of mileage that they might do, uh, let's say, are they mostly like commercial vehicles? Are they mostly company cars, passenger cars that people drive? What's going to have the biggest impact in terms of um, kind of making your drivers safer as well? And I think there'll be a variety of different solutions. So kind of iterating on it and also then somehow making the time to go right what's been the effect measuring the effectiveness of any of these programs i think that's really um really hard in terms of kind of being able to, to making sure you've got the systems and the programs in place to go yeah that's had a positive impact as well um i i think it's a case in where it feels too big for a business there's also a case of 
I worry there's sometimes a bit of a tap out there, you know, which is a case of actually making roads safer is much bigger than the business. Um, and I think it's all about focusing on the aspects that business can control as well and reducing the air, uh, the risk in these areas. And uh, whether that's, it's you know, things that we've discussed, but beyond this, business can also engage with some amazing charities, bodies to be a part of the bigger conversation around things that um, like, you know, government policy, infrastructure, investment, but also in terms of like, what's the thing that they can control on a day-to-day basis and can they make those people safer? So it's just the the stat that you and I spoke about, which is I think driving 25,000 miles um, a year is the third most dangerous business activity after deep sea fishing and coal mining, I believe, according to the RSPA. And I think we just kind of like, when you talk about like, this is what we do and this is what most businesses do. Well, my challenge is we have to do more. And let's be honest, there's probably a channel on, there's probably a TV show on Discovery Channel about deep sea fishing and coal mining, but there's nothing on uh, driving over 25,000 miles, is there? Um, It's just not sexy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. um, There's a couple of things you you said there, and I wanted to jump on. um, And I just had one on the tip of my tongue, and it's gone, and it was really bloody good. What was it? Um, (laughs) It'll come back to you. Yeah, hopefully it will. Um, It's kind of... When you, the thing you said about like businesses feel like it's um it, it's it's not something it's too big for their business not something they should be doing maybe like you implied maybe that that's something that local government should do or even the national government should do yeah. and it's interesting because I was the the podcast we've actually released today a gentleman on the panel that we've been doing recently for the kind of the COVID discussions um, yeah I've heard them. Oh, good. <laughs> and uh, I'm glad someone's listening. <laughs> it's, mm. um, it, it was interesting because he said that he was speaking to somebody and they said that we still live in a, in a socialist society to a point in which we all have the mindset that the government will sort it. So we, we all still think, don't worry about that, the government will sort it. And, and this kind of brought that to light. And actually, and I think that, is very similar to kind of road safety in that from a business point of view, we think, well, we don't own the road, so the government will sort it. But, and it's very similar argument to a lot of things, say for environment, I think is very similar, like the big, the big corporations or sort of, et cetera, it's not our problem. But can we imagine if every single person decided after listening to this podcast, for example, let's say this tomorrow becomes the most popular podcast and every single person on the planet listens to it and they all think the next day, I'm just going to drive that little bit safer. Yeah. I'm going to slow down a little bit more. I'm going to be a little bit more empathetic, a little bit more understanding when I'm driving we would just solve our problem tomorrow and driving would automatically be a much safer thing. I think, I think the empathy side is you're so right about that as well. And that's empathy to um, not just to other drivers, but empathy to everyone that's using the roads or let's say, um, and uh, there's a, there's a couple of things. I think uh, a, 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 a lack of empathy whilst driving uh, to other drivers and use the road a huge issue and i think uh come back to the saying that we have heard many times recently and i never get tired of repeating it which is a case of be kind and reserve judgment on others as well 
kind of like let that anger subside and there's i think there's a couple of other things i get on my soapbox about um, a fair bit which is the vast majority of us believe that we're better drivers than we are which is that kind of that, that 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 bias that we have. I'm a very safe driver. I'm a very good driver. There's some ridiculous, uh, once again, research and statistics. I think there was something, some staggering number of US drivers who still believe that they're better than an average driver whilst texting mm-hmm. and emailing on their phones as well, which is just crazy. <laughs> and I think the, the, the other thing that the modern driver now has, especially in this COVID world, if you think about it, the number of distractions and the sensory overload that we can now have when driving is something we just need to be continuously aware of. Um, I had to do uh, an emergency journey yesterday, um, which is my one drive um, of having to drop something off uh, for family members. Um, And uh, and on my way back, I thought I'd give my dad a call. And uh, and that's, you know, just even having a conversation. How are you, dad? And I I missed some road signage on the uh, A13. I I missed. uh, the fact they went from 50 to 40 briefly it was just but uh, and, and that's significant and that's just that uh, that's me doing something which is not once again a huge let's not go into the whole kind of the distraction of hands-free kits phone conversations what should you listen to which is actually beneficial to your focus and your driving versus but if you think about this particular moment in time how many times is your phone a day currently buzzing how consumed is your mind at the moment with everything that's going on in terms of taking from job security to the the well-being of others and um, think about all those people that are having to drive right now and also once again a lack of empathy um, the some of the things that we're hearing in this COVID world where I don't know someone clocking 150 miles an hour on the M1 just because the roads are empty I mean stay home uh you know protect the nhs and protect others Mm. don't be a boy racer which might end up in actually a crash an accident can you imagine that you actually become a burden on the health services in these times as a result of some ridiculously rash decision that you've taken speeding you know uh, yeah you're absolutely right i think there's a lot of things Uh, there's one other thing i'm going to mention which is uh i'd say the definition of good driving is something that is not consistent Uh, as i said there are people in the u.s who believe they are still good drivers whilst texting and the fact that they can or the act of being able to multitask whilst driving Jesus Christ, I mean, talk about an act where there shouldn't be any multitasking, where you should have your, uh, one of the most dangerous um, things that you do, where you should have the greatest degree of focus on what you're doing as well. So yeah, a lot to be done. We interrupt this broadcast to bring you a shameless sponsorship clip. In all seriousness, guys, we partnered up with DRM Group. You know David McLean, he's been on the podcast time and time again. We absolutely support his message and he's got a brand new online course to help you. I'm gonna let him tell you all about it now. The brain can be trained to think and behave differently, to think in more positive and optimistic ways. And there are steps that you can take to train your brain to feel good for good. And we call this lasting positive change. Through our 16-day program, which includes daily videos and action sheets, taking you no longer than 15 minutes to complete a day. 
you will learn how to move away from thoughts of anger, hopelessness and frustration to a place of mental well-being and positivity. Okay guys, so if you're interested, you can click the link below and get a discount, special rebranded safety discount, full disclosure, we get a little bit kickback from that. So at the same time as improving your mental health, you can support your favorite health and safety podcast and YouTube channel. I'll let you get back into the content. I remember having a conversation with um, with somebody who, who was having, having the same argument. So it's a basically, it was just a manager who, who openly admitted to me that they they email whilst driving and stuff like that. Mm. So and they're like, I'm just really good at multitasking. So and I can't remember what I did, but I did something around the lines of what pat your head and rub your belly. Yeah. So pat your head and rub your belly. A lot of people struggle with that. So he, <laughs> he's got that. Right. And then I said, right, now I want you to sing this song, for example, or read out this this letter whilst you're doing that. And and he like really struggled. And I said, Well, that's multitasking. So you patting your head and rubbing your belly is already multitasking. So that's you driving a car. So when you're driving a car, yeah. your eyes are looking at one thing, your hands are doing another thing, and your feet are doing another thing. And even even your you have one hand on the steering wheel, one hand on the gear stick, one foot on the clutch, one foot on the accelerator slash and, and what the brake, whatever we're doing. And yeah your eyes are looking at roads. So you're already multitasking like by what five yeah. different points. And then you expect yourself to be able to text as well. Um, and email this gentleman in particular. And and we just had a conversation. I don't know whether it made much of a difference to him, but it was just this over a coffee lunch, basically. I mean, we were just having a chit chat. Um, yeah. But I do think there's a couple of things that, that I think I realized when I was doing my diploma was, because insurance is mandatory as a driver, you actually have a higher level duty of care under civil law. So you, all these people, so I, I cycle quite a lot. I, I'm gonna, all the drivers will be like, this is why he's talking about driver safety because he's a cyclist. Um, <laughs> um, and, and I always think like, when I'm out driving, you get, to be honest, a lot of people do give cyclists a lot of space and they, and they overtake quite well, etc. But sometimes you just get that one guy who gives you like less than a meter and just goes vroom, straight past. Now I'm, I'm hard of hearing. I'm pretty much deaf. So when I'm sidecar, I can't hear the thing. So I just put my headphones in because I, I can't hear anyway. So I just think whatever, put my head, headphones in. Now that's, that's, that's debatable. I think some people would massively agree with me on that and that's fine. Um, but sometimes I think, do you know what? It doesn't, at anyone that cycles or even learns to cycle on a road clip you know clipped into your, your pedals going up a big hill or something like that it doesn't take much for a gust of wind to put you off of that course that you're on or for you to get absolutely knackered and just steer into the road accidentally look over your shoulder steer into the road accidentally and i just think do you know what forget if you haven't got any empathy for for hitting me and, 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 and you know, taking me away from my family, then that's fine. But just remember that if you do hit me, my family's going to sue the shit out of you. Like, <laughs> you automatically have a yeah. higher duty of care because insurance is mandatory. You will never win that case. No matter what me as a cyclist yeah. or a pedestrian do, you will never win that case. And and I just, I just think people just need to... And I do it as well. You get you get stuck in your world when you're driving your car. You forget about everything mm. else, and your car is your little world. And mm. and I do think that it's easy to lose that empathy and understanding for other people. Yeah. We've got to ground ourselves, and that's hard, but we've got to do it. 
So bringing it back to once again, in terms of um, the, uh, so you, you were talking about the, obviously from hopefully at the, for those people that my lack of bit of empathy might think I don't want to dent in my car or um, I don't want to, uh, I don't want to find myself in, uh, you're right, you know, the, the kind of the insurance uh, kind of uh, side of things that we should hopefully act as uh, for those people that might uh, uh, not, you know have the same level of compassion uh, for the for the other users of your roads might be something that um helps ground them in terms of going i don't want this uh, uh court case or uh this kind of uh this bill or whatever it is as well but there's one other thing that's um that, that, that's worth mentioning uh, there which is a case of that doesn't just stop with the driver now as well and i wanted to bring it back to businesses there was uh there was a recent court case um, where there was a fatality on the roads in the US um, uh, where a, an employee who was driving on company time, driving for the business, who uh, the fatality was caused as a result of him actually texting whilst he was driving, that led to a uh, $20 million fine for wow. the business. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, it's once again it's, it's talking about yeah what are the things that motivates a business to uh, educate and invest in um, obviously driver safety programs. I hope it's a case of it's a, a duty of care for their employees. It's I hope it's a, a motivation to ensure that their the, that their workforce will get home to their loved ones safely. I hope it's a duty of care for everyone that their employees interacts with. But obviously, if uh, if you need a an additional bump, <laughs> excuse the pump uh, pun, uh, but it's uh, it might be those kind of yeah, it's uh, it's that pot- potential commercial cost as well. And, and and the numbers uh, and the the kind of the commercial cost for businesses is staggering. Um, seeing we talked we spoke about those kind of numbers of like what does this mean in terms of all the uh, all the hidden costs um, around uh, you know uh, for for businesses whether whether that's insurance claims everything else how does that kind of uh, I, I think it was globally the annual cost of traffic collisions to companies is somewhere in the region of three hundred seventy billion dollars, and that's everything from you know insurance, fuel, repairs, maintenance, absenteeism, injury costs, employee downtime, and obviously the legal liability for the actions of employees who are driving for work, which is the you know the, i.e. the twenty million dollar fine example which we were talking about. Mm-hmm. That is interesting. What what is it? I wanted to kind of just briefly like come as we as we kind of near to the end, kind of really focus yeah. in on on what makes Bright Mile that little bit different from from what everyone else is doing. And mm-hmm. and when we previously spoke, you were quite obviously passionate about avoiding that big brother mentality, and 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 also we could tell from your kind of introduction and it's a bright mile is making it personal about the driver as well being a bit more having a bit more personal personality to it i suppose is bringing it to about it's about me it's not about the fleet and, and the business um do you want to kind of just briefly touch on those two and and just like how do you stop that big big brother mentality and and yeah how do you yeah. make it personal um uh yeah i'd, I'd say it's been 
it's but kind of it's 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 a hard challenge because I, I think every single business driver starts from a who's been driving for some time starts from a position of suspicion the mm-hmm. moment you go why do you want me to download this app on my phone why do you want me to use this mm-hmm. um is uh yeah it's really is one of the biggest things that we need to overcome with any business driver who has an experience of having a black box or you know a driver facing dash cam or some kind of hardware that very much focuses on track and trace first and perhaps safety second so we have to deal with what we're not head on when introducing Brightmile for the first time to employees. And, you know, just I talk about the simplicity of deployment of Brightmile because it's, it's an app that you download from the App Store and you set up in seconds and we start auto detecting the trips as well. I mean, it really is the, the quickest way for you to get something that is helping monitor uh, the, the, you know, how well you're driving and and then give you feedback on based on that on things that you can act on to hopefully improve i'm speeding 30 percent of the time i need to improve on that i need to and the, our fleet average is 10 percent, so i'm one of the outliers definitely should need to improve on that and if i do improve on that ah oh, look there's some rewards for me here's here as well which is um so from everything from the onboarding to the new drivers to every step we need to win their trust continually win their trust and and I, I talk about like deliver genuine value as well so there are a few fundamental things that we've uh, we've done uh, to develop a um, I'd say a, a driver first uh, safety solution and a treated privacy as a as a feature um, so one of the things we've said that we'll um, like the bright bright mile safety program will never report on the driver location to managers um, which is absolutely essential. So for those people that are looking for, oh, I'm looking for a lightweight telematic solution, which is you know cheaper than the hardware solution, um, we're not that because we're not going to tell you where your driver is. We're not going to tell you where your assets are. We're going to tell you trends over a period of time as well. Um, uh, the other thing that was really important, they understood that their performance is measured over a period of time uh, and a period of time being as opposed to rather than individual trips um, on business trips as well. So rather than personal trips. And this really changes the tone of the conversation and uh, from our testing really kind of reduces defensive behavior as well. So when you say over a 14 day period of time, you've been speeding, uh, I don't know, uh, 30% of the time is very different to on that last trip, you were speeding a fair bit. Well, I was speeding on that last trip a fair bit because because I was put quite a lot of pressure to be on time on that job. Mm-hmm. Um, or whatever it is and suddenly when you start talking about a trend over a period of time um, and then talking about like a benchmark of and this is how you compare to your cohort of people in your team um, it really changes the conversation as well um, the other thing that we've also really focused on is drivers having complete control in classifying what is a personal and a business trip as well or a trip where they may be a passenger so it's it's hard you know treating drivers like adults and saying look we we trust you with that um another thing that we've added as a feature which is a a driver activated privacy mode when drivers do not want to be tracked for a period of time like they might be on holiday or let's say um 
on maternity leave or a long absence from work for a variety of different reasons as well. And uh, we've spoken about that it's important for drivers to be able to specify their working hours and their days for when we when we detect a trip and we auto classify as a business trip as well. And that's in the, We've also, the driver's control, isn't it? Sorry to interrupt you. Yeah, yeah. All of those, just giving all of those things in the driver's control as well. Now, obviously, it's really important to make sure that we also provide managers with a variety of tools yeah. um, that help them understand that that the system's not been gamed, that there isn't a kind of a, an avoidance. And the manager portal does an amazing job of that, of saying, you know, um, Bob uh, has uh, been going into privacy mode 10% of the time, and the overall average for your organization is 0.6%. And these are the days and these are things what he's doing. He's uh, removing the app from his phone, or he's kind of going into privacy mode. So the, the, once again, if there is anything that feels um, unusual, uh, or uh, we can we can surface that where there could be a hopefully a, uh, a healthy discussion in regards to uh, uh, you know just using the app uh, uh, um, correctly as well. And the other thing, awards for good driving behavior. Mm. So. I wanted to we messaging something that we worked for, yeah messaging something that we worked really hard on in the early iterations of our app we used languages like you are you know your average at x or you're poor at this or you're good at this and or even like tested league tables and it was really finding the things that disengaged drivers is really not hard <laughs> of going they've told me i'm poor at this i don't believe in this application so it's it's been really understanding what we have the permission to say and that as a as a driver safety solution which is an app that a driver has and understanding the language that we need to use with them to keep them you know you just did a uh, a 40 mile journey on that 40 mile journey you uh, you had these behaviors which you were speeding four percent of the time you triggered you know these contextual risks so there was some harsh acceleration but of those 40 miles you did 30 good miles you did 30 miles where there was you know there was nothing that was uh, that could be considered a risk and and here's 30 bright miles which we're rewarding you for the good miles that you do and even like in a weekly digest we talk about the fact that you know you did 500 miles this week you earned um 350 bright miles for the good miles that you did go to the app to find out the things that you can do to uh improve on principles of gamification rewards positive reinforcement um, the things that obviously uh, uh there's been uh, social media platforms and the zingers of this world have obviously been refining to make sure they keep us hooked um so yeah we talk about all these kind of things that we do to kind of like from unlocking trophies to earning additional bright miles which can then be used to um enter into prize draws win prizes and some element of healthy competition as well all of these things have been really really important in terms of kind of building a driver first safety program as well but then also providing the managers with the tools that they need to intervene if there are things that are deemed to be a risk to a driver a risk to a cohort of drivers where some form of intervention is required and, and there's there's actually an, an opportunity if i remember right there's an opportunity for businesses to to link up with those prize draws, depending on how I think how they arrange their agreements with you guys, but so that their drivers 
can actually physically win some vouchers or something. It's not just like a token mm. uh, uh, trophy on the app that says, well done, you're a great it, driver. It, it, it's actual prizes. Exactly. You've just unlocked a trophy because you've had uh, no distractions all day on your mobile phone today and you've earned 200 Bright Miles. What you can do with those Bright Miles is you can end them, enter monthly raffles to win Amazon vouchers, quarterly prizes to win experience days, which you might have to wait a few weeks to really do, uh, to use. I don't know, a driver experience day, whatever that might be. You can donate them to charities. And those are all available as a part of the Bright Mile program. So that's everything that's, you know, we, we offer. What some of our customers are happy to do is also go above and beyond with um, offering additional prizes. So one of our customers in North America um, likes to do surprise and delight moments, which, you know, we check in with them on a fortnightly or monthly basis in terms of the health of the cohort of their drivers and talk about these are the things you've got to celebrate. These are the things where there might be, these are the things that are a risk keep an eye the trends that we're seeing there's someone that's and here is a driver that is the most improved driver this fortnight or this month and uh, let's you know and they go great well that's someone that's going to be getting a starbucks voucher from mm. us for x value as well or mm. let's say uh which just the, those kind of moments and those kind of celebrations of yeah that that person still is not our best driver when it comes to distraction but the improvement that they've made month on month on improving their distraction is something that we need to acknowledge and say, look, you're on the right path. You're on the right path for, you know, you've, you've clocked 2000 miles last month and your mobile phone distraction um, for those is, is dramatically reduced. Still keep working on it because we want to see zero mobile distraction from you as well. But um, you know, the a, a for effort. And, and the, and you referenced something earlier, like, um, by by the way, I feel like I, I should reiterate. I really like that kind of positive reinforcement side of things that you and your clients are doing. I think that is something that when we talk about safety, we we miss out on. Um, just just across the board, across the whole board, whether it's just driver safety or or we're talking manual handling. You know, it is synonymous that our roles as safety professionals is you you've done this wrong adam don't do that again let me show you how to do it correctly um and like you say when when it comes to driving we all think we're amazing so is me coming along and saying adam you're a bad driver it's not going to have the desired effect it's probably going to have the opposite effect so actually just positively encouraging and enforcing good behaviors by saying hey well done you you're not the best driver but you've improved here's some vouchers it's like Bloody hell, I can get some vouchers by myself. A, I don't know, a boombox or boombox. How old am I? Boombox. Buy <laughs> um, yourself a, a, a Bluetooth speaker. There we go. I sound a bit more millennial now. A Bluetooth speaker um, with, with some vouchers just from driving safety. For me, I think that was a great idea. That kind of gamification of it was, was, was huge. But the other thing I found quite interesting, and, you, and you've touched on it a few times there, is, is that portal for the managers because it's something I've come across across the years is like businesses, like you said earlier, they have these policies to say, right, we want you to put your phone in a boot so that you never, you never go on it. Okay. Yeah. That's fine. But then you look at a salesman who their KPI is you must never miss two phone calls from the same customer. Yeah. And you're like, hang on a minute, that KPI directly yeah. conflicts with your, the policy of telling them to put the phone in a boot. So it's like, it doesn't it doesn't work so 
I'd be interested to see if like you think that like the portal that you've got for your managers kind of informs the business on how to shape the the kind of wider policies and KPIs of the business and how to manage and improve that. Do you get do you get what I mean to kind of reduce the Yeah, I I, I know I know exactly what you mean. There's the kind of the, the there's uh I, I believe it's Royal Mail that um says you have to put your phone in the glove compartment. I've known of companies saying you have to switch off your phone and you're absolutely right and then you have the conflict and your manager saying you have to be on that conference call mm. um because uh this is uh this is an absolutely essential deal that we need to get over the line. So I've even had a, um, sorry to interrupt, I've even had a a head of a department on a conference call where driver safety was on the agenda and he he was driving whilst on the call. And I was just messaging my colleagues like, wow, if you could ever get irony in one call, this would be it. Sorry, carry on. I didn't mean to yeah i i think i think uh the kind of benchmarking and understanding um uh, it's it's a similar way to laws are made isn't it which is when you mm. uh, you need to uh you you go we have a problem here we have a certain behavior um uh which we need to kind of have a policy around because we um and being able to understand what those uh you know what those problems are before actually something really bad happens before a collision happens as a result of a distraction event or a i don't know a collision happens as a result of fatigue event is what we want to achieve so we you're absolutely right there's some of the data that we uh, that we provide should be able to inform better policy um and in terms of driver policy and in fact um there are uk organizations which will be putting bright mile into their driver policy going forward in terms of and setting certain benchmarks which they hope to achieve as well so the five things are i think this is a good segue into like what do we measure and what the industry is uh, kind of when it comes to driver safety has been um very much obsessed in what I call the kind of the ABC safety metrics, which is acceleration, braking, and cornering. So, um, which uh, and we we believe for the modern driver, it's really important to kind of extend that. And there's lots of solutions out there that go way beyond ABC. But um, I think ABC is the things that we've been, and then there might be insurance data that people put on top of that as well. So, um, acceleration is obviously bad, but you know, harsh braking is obviously bad. Um, but one of the things that we uh three and a half years ago we spoke about is context is everything where am i accelerating and being able to provide contextual risk data so am i accelerating outside of a school crossing am i braking really hard as i come up to a set of traffic lights and you know being able to use any of the kind of the the road signage uh, to be able to provide better coaching really rather than saying you were speeding on a motorway to saying you were speeding outside a school um all of that stuff really kind of uh, and where are we seeing these kind of these our risk hot spots as an organization as well or we might find there's a cluster of these happen as we come out of a warehouse that we have in newcastle upon time and actually there's some really important kind of obviously uh training that we need to do around this as well speeding obviously goes without saying percentage of time spent above a legal speed limit so talking about the kind of the percentage distraction uh what 
causes just so many. Uh, I, I think it was uh, focus-driven in the US that spoke about up to 80% of all crashes involve some form of driver distraction. Here, what we're talking about is obviously specifically mobile phone distraction and interaction with that. So we measure and benchmark, which is a number of smartphone t touches whilst driving as well, which can, which can really show, inform an organization where they need to improve as well. Fatigue, uh, something that is uh, it's really interesting organizations measure things like idle time in a vehicle um and yeah you know someone's been parked outside as you said someone's been parked outside starbucks for 45 minutes well for all you know they've been on a conference call closing the biggest ever deal mm. <laughs> of the company i've been really really kind of responsible fatigue which is a, a a measure of how long have you been driving without those required breaks as well and just out of the box we talk about kind of like taking a break every two hours um you know taking a 10 minute break i think that's really important and the other thing which is i think where harsh acceleration is really important is um yeah you as I said, the context of your acceleration is really important, but harsh acceleration from a context of obviously the environment, eco as well, nothing kind of leads to greater uh, uh, battery consumption and fuel consumption than unnecessary incidents of harsh acceleration as well. So being able to measure these things and being able to report on these things and be, being able to understand where you need to train your cohort drivers or how could that impact your policy but also once again rather than having a broad brushstroke policy for i don't know you're a big organization with thousands of people who drive but you have very very different profiles of drivers you have a delivery driver you have a i don't know sales driver and the things that you need from them and their driving behavior and their patterns could be quite different so obviously being able to ha have certain nuances to your policy based on what you know about let's say a co cohort drivers in and that might be regional behaviors um a big organization that we know uh, that is you know talks about um they're, they're kind of their european cohort of drivers is completely different to their north african cohort of drivers and the challenges that they have so subsequently talking about global driver policy is potentially not relevant um one of the biggest um uh obviously the uh, um, drinks companies, I was on a call with HSE leaders across the globe presenting Brightmile as a solution to them. And uh, the challenges on the roads in West Africa are completely different to the challenges that we were talking about here in the UK, which is a case of like, and how can this data inform for you to better understand what those challenges are? Absolutely. And to be able to kind of like, rather than coming up with broad brushstroke, here's our global policy for, for driving across, I don't know, 120 territories, or let's say different cohorts of drivers, hopefully being able to kind of personalize it based on actually what are the challenges that we face? Definitely. Mm. Definitely, a couple of things you said there. If you the um, the kind of acting on averages and having that national or even international policy for everybody, you know, it, it just doesn't work. And, and an interesting book that yeah, anyone that listens to my podcast for here moans because I talk about this book all the time. But it just it, it blew my mind. But um, Rebel Ideas by Matthew Syed, it was just unbelievably eye opening. So it's all about diversity, uh, kind of like cognitive diversity. Um, but there's some examples in there that I just think fit, fit everything. And they just show 
how those kind of global procedures, those national procedures, you know, the, the classic stuff we see, especially in safety all the time, you know, I've decided in the head office in London, how somebody in Scotland should be working, doesn't work like that. And there's so many examples of things like that there. In America, there was the, the Air Force are basically having loads of crashes all the time. And um, basically someone did like a huge survey on it and had a look at everything and, and the cockpits were based around um, average sizes. So they then measured every individual pilot in hundreds of them or whatever, and not one fit in that average, not one of them. So they then found out that it was the actual average cockpit size that they thought was the solution to make it fit everybody, didn't fit any of them, and was actually one of the main contributing factors to the crashes. So then they just made it adjustable. So so pilots could get into their cockpit and adjust the seats, adjust the the steering wheel equivalent and on, on all of that stuff. And, and this is exactly what we do in every aspect of safety management yeah. is we don't make it adjustable. We say, you must do this, you must do that. We write risk assessments from our head office. We drive us, we write driver safety policies from our head office, but it doesn't, it doesn't work for the way the salesman drives to the delivery driver. The delivery driver has, you know, 600 parcels to deliver in one day. And if he doesn't deliver them in one day, he's going to get his, his telling off. But it's like, but then you're going, oh, you're not driving very safe, are you? You're speeding. Well, yeah, that's because you want me to deliver 60, 600 parcels a day. It's all of these conflicts uh, and averages. They just don't work. And, and yeah. you do have to kind of step back and, and have a look at this stuff. What I would also say is, but, you know, it comes back to one of the questions which you said, which is, is it all too much for a business? Yeah. And we, we talk about people that are incredibly busy here as well who are kind of like juggling so many different things and usually sometimes on the resource as well and words like personalization and customization just seem like so much effort Mm. as well so and and i think that's um and I, i think that becomes really hard but then actually which is a case of um um potentially empowering people on the ground to be able to a manager to be able to kind of um, have a certain degree of uh, flexibility with saying this is what is right for my cohort of um, employees who are driving, mm. but it once again it's easier said than done. Yeah. Really is, yeah. I think I think a lot of it comes down to trust. I think there's a lack of trust in the. And I'm speaking mostly around UK businesses, but there seems to be a lack of trust for the people we employ. Like, you know. And, and again, this is referenced in that same book, but, you know, we employ, while we employ an Adam, for example, who's really innovative, he's bringing loads of fresh ideas, and I can't wait for Adam to come in and get some fresh eyes on the business, Adam's first day, right, Adam, here's a book of policies and procedures of how you must behave and how you must work, it's, well, there's all that innovation, innovation's gone out the window. That, you yeah. know, we have to trust the people we employ, if we're employing managers, we've got to trust them to be a manager, because that's what we employed them to do, in Completely. my opinion. So, Completely. Adam, if um, if people like what what Brightmar was saying, that you know they like the sound of it, they're thinking, well, okay, I like this. I'm going to get Brightmar into my company. I want to talk <laughs> to Adam. I want to talk to someone at Brightmar. Get the app, for example. How, how do we go about do that? And what does that kind of process look like? In, in- yeah, I'd I'd say I'd, I'd say the proof is in the pudding. It's really really important. So for anyone who'd like to experience 
Bright Mile, who'd like to trial Bright Mile, who'd like to see how we, it, I, I think there's a, you know, there's a value promise here, isn't there? Which is a case of we're going to make your drivers safer. We're going to provide them with a solution that they're going to enjoy using. So you need to see the driver, but we're also going to provide you with a portal, which is going to provide you with really useful, actionable insights where you can reduce the risk for your business. So the most important thing is for uh, for for people to get in touch with me and go, look, I've got a cohort of drivers or uh, um, that we'd love to trial this with. And I think that's really important that we deliver on that value promise as well. So um, get in touch with me and my team. Uh, I'd say for, for, for specifically for the podcast, um, drop me an email. It's adam.hawes, H-A-W-E-S at brightmile.io or um, inquiries at Bright Mile as well, or just visit our website and just uh, drop me a note there as well. And it would be my absolute pleasure to get either um, a, a, a cohort of your drivers onto the app, experiencing it and getting first-hand feedback as well. So, and if anyone wants to know more about it, would like to see a, uh, a, a kind of a, a fully-fledged demo of the app and the portal as well, or wants to, you know, even wants to have a, I'd say, a virtual coffee at this moment in time to challenge some of our, there'll be HSE leaders who will go, look, oh, these are all great ideas, but here's my personal experiences as well. I love that. Please, you know, there's there's a few things that we say that are intentionally provocative in this space as well. This will not work for our cohort of drivers for these particular reasons as well. I'll never forget there was a um, uh, a scaffolding business that I was having a conversation with. He said, driving is the least of my concern. I'm trying to stop these guys from uh, making an absolute mess in front of people's houses let alone you know it's just kind of like these uh, uh it's, it, it, it was just a case of his as far as he was concerned um how they were behaving in the vehicle was the the bottom of his list of challenges at that particular moment in time um and yeah so would love to have a conversation with anyone who'd like to discuss this and obviously find out more about our, our viewpoint and how we're going about hopefully moving the needle for more and more businesses awesome i like that and we'll, we'll put all the links and your emails and website etc in the description for everyone as well so adam i quite enjoyed that chat thank you very much likewise thank you so much for your time really really appreciate it okay guys i hope you enjoyed that episode i hope you enjoyed listening to alex from bright mile you can download the app. I've downloaded it, but you know, it's corporates and stuff like that. But if you're interested, I've got all the links in the description below. You can have a chat with Alex on LinkedIn or go through their website, etc. And uh, maybe install Bright Mile in your business and kind of have a better fleet management system, be safer, be more empathetic on our roads. It'd be such a nice place, wouldn't it, if we drove all a bit safer? A crazy amount of people. But... Oh, for fuck's sake! Colin. Well, I'm I'm literally recording an intro for my podcast. You've just ruined it. Oh man! Say so say hello. Hello. Put it in there. Make sure you put it in. I'm gonna put it in because that's <laughs> like annoying that I didn't turn my phone on silent. I'm so sorry, mate. That's all right. Catch you later. See you tomorrow, buddy. Bye. Bye. What?
take the call? Yeah, I just took it. I spoke to him and just said, you just interrupted my podcast. And he said, I'll make sure you put this in the podcast. So I got to say hello to the camera. I'm still recording now. Yeah, I took it. He said he rang me by mistake. Ah. Uh, He's going to, I'm talking to him tomorrow. Booked him. Uh, Three o'clock. Anyway, I'm recording. Fuck off. Jesus Christ. Question? What? Go on then. You don't have to whisper. Do you remember where we put the... Uh, <laughs> no one actually here, I can cut this. Do you remember where we put the hats and mittens? Hats and mittens. Baby hats and baby mittens. Oh, we put the hats and mittens in the blue bag on the top shelf. No, the baby ones. Oh, the baby ones. I can't find them anywhere. It'll be in one of those cupboards of drawers. I looked in there. Oh. <laughs> Gary. I have no idea where I was on this outro. Um, yeah, well, the whole podcast is about driving safer, so no shit. Yes, wouldn't it be nice if the roads were just much safer and we were all a bit more empathetic when driving? That that was what I was saying before I was rudely interrupted by Colin from the Interest in Safety podcast. Go and check him out. And my wife from the Rebranding Safety podcast. So go check Rebranding Safety out, which you already are. Anyway, right, this is getting painful now. So hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you did enjoy it, leave us a rate and review because we really appreciate that. And most people that listen to this podcast do it and you don't want to be that one person that doesn't do it. So please do it. Um, nothing to do with, you know, algorithms or anything. What else do you need to do? If you're on Spotify, hit the follow button. If you're on YouTube, hit subscribe. These are all, I hope you're writing these down. Um, what else do you need to do? If you've got one person you can think of that will benefit from this episode, maybe they drive a bit like a dick, you could share this with them. Um, or maybe you drive a bit like a dick, you can just share it with yourself. Either way, if you do that, tag us on the old social, Safety Rebranded or Rebranding Safety on any of the others. So Twitter, Safety Rebranded and Rebranding Safety on LinkedIn and Facebook. Make sure you hit us up, let us know what you're doing. Otherwise, I'll catch you in the next podcast. Safe.